Hello, everyone. This is David Douthit. This is Molly Douthit. And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today's podcast will cover the lectionary selections for the Baptism of the Lord, Year A. Isaiah presents a special servant in whom God's soul delights, while the psalm sings praises to God's power. In Acts, Peter tells Cornelius the basics about Jesus, and in Matthew, Jesus is baptized by his cousin John. Time for new beginnings as we start 2020 with illustrations and special effects. Join us. We've established this podcast based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, we develop illustrations and special effects for the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary. They use various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. We call them word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage. As we read and reflect on the scripture passages for each week, we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody, and it's nice to have you here. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope you had very uh, pleasant holiday celebrations and uh, ready to get back into the swing of things. We are more or less ready to get back in the swing of things uh, after a little bit of time off, at least from the show. Mm -hmm. Um, We have been hard at work, nevertheless. Um, So we're going to get right to it, I think, right? Anything yes. we need to announce or no. anything? Okay, let's just go. Let's go. Okay. So we're going to start off by looking at the gospel passage for year A, Baptism of the Lord. It's Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. Oddly enough, the story of the baptism of the Lord. Gee, imagine. I know. It's always such a surprise when they do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Matthew's telling of the story. So Jesus comes from Galilee to the Jordan where John is baptizing. And uh, uh, this is the one where John says, hey, no, wait, what? no, I should be baptized by you and you come to me and it, it's right for us to do it this way. So let's do it. Okay. And so only Matthew does that one, right? I think so. And how does that connect with Jesus being the new Moses? Because, I mean, that's pretty much Matthew's point of his gospel is Jesus is the new Moses, so trust this guy. Uh, drawn from the water, I don't know. Oh? Maybe that. Oh, okay. I don't know. That works. Good question. We'll go with that. Yeah, sure. That's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only possible answer. No, no it's not. <laughs> that's a good that. one. Uh, so then uh, as Jesus has been baptized, he comes up from the water, and the heavens are open, and he sees the Spirit of God descending anyway. And a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. The end. Or the beginning. Yeah. As it were. Yeah. 
So we're going to take a look at four of the smarts today. We've got math smart, uh, special effect, body smart illustration, both for nature smart and an illustration for people smart. So uh, starting off with the math smart, uh, this is not something that that just springs organically. You kind of have to work at it. Yeah, I've got to punch but, it know, around but, a little bit. Yeah. Where's your math? Where's your math? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, when, when in doubt, go to, go with your strengths and your favorites. So Venn diagram. Yay. Yay, Venn diagrams. This is not the only time Venn diagrams will show up in this podcast I, either. Ah, uh, well then. So um, – if you go and take a look at the worksheet, you'll see there's. I've got an example of what the Venn diagram for this might look like. And what it is, uh, the, the way I thought of it, was you'd have a circle for people who need to repent, and that overlaps with a circle that says people who get baptized for the repentance of sin— and then that overlaps singularly with a circle, people who don't need to repent— Mm-hmm. So the uh, the intersection, well, the people who need to repent is fully populated. Yeah, just lots and lots of X's or people or however yeah. you want to do that. Yeah, uh, some of them overlap or are in the intersection with people who get baptized, mm-hmm. and then the people who get baptized is empty except for the two intersection sp- spots. So in the one, there's a, a bunch that overlaps with people who need to repent, and there is one element, one X or one person in uh, the intersection with people who don't need to repent because that's Jesus. Right. Make a little cross in there instead of yeah, an X. Yeah, there maybe that's it. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what it would look like. So the idea is that Jesus is um, intersecting with the uh, the folks who are being baptized, uh, associating with them uh, mathematically. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, for Body Smart, we have an illustration. Uh, the next time you're in your shower or your bathtub, remember your own baptism. Look up and imagine the heavens opening and the Holy Spirit descending on you. Now, I have a thing about this. this sh- <laughs> what? Uh, I just had a flash to... Uh, you know, chapter three of Genesis, you know, God coming down while you're naked and say, hey, hello, yeah, I'm naked here. Sorry. God doesn't care. Uh, anyway, uh, the thing about waters in the shower and why some, I get sometimes my best ideas for things in mm-hmm. the shower. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. And I've, I've uh, kind of um, intuited that a lot of other people do too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, the, maybe it's the heat of the water or the steam and it's just kind of relaxing you and sort of your brain just kind of goes, okay, I'm free. And, uh, or maybe it's the, the water washing off distractions, uh, you know, uh, so in, in a way, getting a really good idea for something in the shower is kind of a baptism experience. You kind of go, mm. oh, hey, aha. Transformation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I usually am. Maybe, maybe it's the primordial uh, being experience in the water. of being in water. You know, not only uh, the waters of birth mm-hmm. and pre-birth, but mm-hmm. uh you know, as a species, it's right. believed came that water. we came up yeah. from the waters. I right. don't know. It, yeah. Going way back. Yeah. Okay. So for Nature Smart, uh, thinking about the dove, 
uh, as the form of the Holy Spirit here. And uh, it's it's not as specific as Luke. So it came in physical form like a dove. Mm-hmm. Um, it came down as if it were a dove. So in the same sort of motion as a dove. Anyway, the idea is the imagery is of doves, uh, which turn out to be cooperative creatures, cooperative mm-hmm. birds, which is kind of interesting. Um, and so we've got a link or two here for you that uh, will take you to, um, one is sciencing.com with some characteristics of doves, and the other is doves of love, <laughs> uh, an Australian, Australian site. site. So um, uh, it turns out that both males and females take their turns incubating the eggs in the nests and then also feeding the young when they hatch. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the spirit descending on Jesus at his baptism was a sign of cooperation like those doves, or perhaps the loyalty of doves because mm-hmm. they mate for life. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so do pigeons, apparently. Mm-hmm. So um, those those characteristics of, of those birds perhaps being expressed in Jesus' baptism. For special effect, then, uh, going a little different direction, you can pour some water generously into your baptismal font and splash it around a bit, throw it on people, you know, whatever. Um, well, don't, you know, throw it, but you know, <laughs> flick it in their general direction. Or and, bang your hand in the font enough that it goes sploosh, yeah, sploosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so water as a natural element. Um, it would also be interesting if you could incorporate a dove somehow in that process, maybe a stuffed Dove or a, a Christmas kind of ornament dove kind mm-hmm. of thing um, or or something along those lines. Or we have a couple links here, too, uh, for balloon doves. One is a, a balloon animal dove, which is admittedly pretty complicated. Yeah. But there's a video that goes along, so you could do it step by step. And it really looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, the guy who's doing neat. it is, He's is Russian. Russian very, and it's in Russian, and the text is Russian. But you don't need that. To, you know, you can still figure out what he's doing. Because it's very well done video on how to do it. Um, and the other is uh, balloon doves that you can just buy. Oh. Um, you know, for releasing at weddings or funerals oh. or celebrations, um, their helium holding. Hmm. Uh, but don't waste your helium on balloons right? because we're running out. Right. But that's beside the point. Anyway, um, <laughs> the idea here would be to bring that dove into connection with the baptism, either coming out of it or going into it or something. And finally, for People Smart, we have an illustration. If uh, you like, uh, uh, most folks here in the United States have gone to see the ninth Star Wars movie. You may be harking back to some of the uh, the earlier ones. And in um, The Return of the Jedi, which we actually watched together not mm-hmm. too long ago, mm-hmm. uh, the evil Emperor and Darth Vader are plotting to get uh, the, the hero Luke Skywalker uh, over to the dark side. Um and so the emperor says to Vader, go and wait for him and he will surrender to you. And Vader, he will come to me. 
in the Emperor. I have foreseen it, although he hasn't really. The Emperor just well, misses a bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, he may have seen it, but he might have just seen it Misinterpreted wrong. it. I mean, okay. Yeah. His compassion for you will be his undoing. So Vader is kind of surprised that his son is actually going to come to him since Vader has been trying to you know, kill him for a couple of movies. Luke does turn himself in to Vader and not everything goes as the Emperor had expected. So uh, John is similarly perplexed that Jesus would come to him for baptism. Uh, so it's compassion that brings Jesus to John, and it will also be his undoing eh, for a while. For a while. But things don't go as anyone expects, either in Star Wars or in Scripture. Indeed. So compassion can sometimes have very strange effects on people. Can't it, though? Indeed. Yeah. All right, let's go on. The New Testament reading for year A, Baptism of the Lord, is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. This is, if you are familiar with the book of Acts, this uh, uh, a part of the story of Peter meeting Cornelius. This is where um, Peter speaks to Cornelius and the people gathered in his house about who Jesus is, and he begins to them, uh, he begins to them. Mm -hmm. He begins by saying to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. And then he goes on to talk about who Jesus is uh, and, and how the message that he gave them uh, spread through Judea, beginning in Galilee, uh, goes that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power at his baptism. He went out and did fantastic things. They put him to death. God raised him on the third day, allowed him to appear. Um, and we are witnesses of these things. Uh, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of living and the dead. So, uh, this turns out to be a pretty um, persuasive sermon, and Cornelius's entire house is baptized, which you could pull into, mm -hmm. if you choose to use this passage, pull that into the uh, baptism of the Lord, because not only is Jesus baptized, but his baptism leads to our baptism. So we've got four of the smarts that we're going to be looking at for this passage. We have math, body, people, and self with illustrations and special effects in all of them. So mm -hmm. let's start with math. Okay, back to math. Here we go. Uh, does anybody else remember using number lines in elementary school? Yes, I am as old as you are. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, a number line was, uh, you know, it, it just laid it out there, all the numbers you needed to know, and you could learn the order of them, and you could do math relationships with them by adding and subtracting and stuff I like that. I remember my teacher doing arrows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you get greater than, less than, mm -hmm. and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff out of it. It's kind a of number basics. Line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's kind of what Peter is doing here with the Jesus story, is he's laying out the order of things and pointing out some of the themes and relationships. So it's uh, just this basic tool. It's just, here it is. This is, this is all, the, all you need to know right here. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be the illustration. And we've got a link for what a number line is if you're not familiar with it. Uh, but uh, then go on for special effect to make one, 
which is just a strip of paper, basically, with, with the numbers in even increments. And make it big enough that people can see it, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be helpful. Um, it, so it's kind of like a tape measure, except without all the fractional bits in the middle. Right. Right. Uh, the fractions exist on the number line. We just don't pay attention to them because we're looking <laughs> at the basics. Right. Right. And and that's also similar to this story from Peter because he leaves out a lot. A lot. Yeah. All the miracles. Well, I mean, he mentions them, but he doesn't go into any detail mm-hmm. about them or the, his teachings or any of right. that. It's it, all in there. Right. But you're just not looking at it yeah. that way. Yeah, he's only got so much time. Right, and so do we. So there it is. <laughs> uh, take a look at the worksheet for more details. I was reading some uh, um, commentary about this particular passage, and someone named Jamie McCallum, uh, writing at the Truett pulpit, uh, said something that really caught caught my attention. One of the greatest places for inclusivity to take on flesh is around the table. So that got me to thinking uh, about food and how food plays such a huge role in this entire story around Peter and Cornelius. Peter had his dream previously in in Acts 10, which, you know, opens him up to the idea that, huh. You could eat unkosher food? Exactly. And so then when he goes to Cornelius' house, that's what kind of leads him to say, God shows no partiality. Mm -hmm. So think about family. And he sits down to a meal uh, afterwards. Yes. So think about family dinners that you have. Who's there? What's eaten? Who's from the outside who is invited in and when? And how does that change the dynamic? And what is incarnate in your family dinners? Not just what's on the platter, (laughs) not just the carne, (laughs) (laughs) but what do you embody for each other and with each other around a family meal? kind of depending on the stories that get told what sort of fa- what sort of the gathering is that kind of thing you know having just had christmas here a couple of weeks ago with the family you know that's kind of one of those things that i was thinking about so for a sp- so there's an illustration how body smart plays into this with the idea of food and eating around a table so for a special effect have dinner after worship or encourage people to invite someone they don't know very well to go out to eat after worship and pay special attention to how your body feels in the asking uh, this or making this request and making these plans and in the fellowship when you actually get there. Hmm. For People Smart, we've got a couple of quotes and then some things to go along with them. So the first comes from Alan Bream from The Waking Dreamer. And uh, Alan Bream writes, what made them, that is the early Christians, so successful was that their witness came out of the experience of being radically transformed in their own hearts and minds and lives. So for illustration, an equivalent experience would be people finding a TV show that they love and they start telling other people about it and discovering uh, there are others out there with the same passion. Or perhaps a particular professor at college that everyone wants to take that person's class, that professor's class. Uh, or a coach, or a doctor, or a theologian, or what have you. Mm -hmm. 
health food diet or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about it. Oh, yeah. this worked for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other quote then is uh, indirectly from N.T. Wright by way of Levi Holland at A Plain Account. And it goes like this, God is not simply accepting us as we are. He invites us as we are, but responding to that invitation always involves the complete transformation which is acted out in repentance, forgiveness, baptism, and receiving the Spirit. I thought that was an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because we always say, oh, God just, you know, God meets you where you are. But mm-hmm. then that's kind of, if you, if you just stay there, it's static. And yeah. there's, there's no growth. There's no, there's Abund- no movement. There's no abundant life. Exactly. Right? Yeah. right. So God pulls you into or draws you into something different. Anyway, right. Go ahead. Right. Keep talking. Go so the, the special effect would be then to... Uh, invite people to discuss how God's invitation as we are works uh, as opposed to God's intention to transform into something different, transform Mm -hmm. us into something different. So uh, let people talk about that and maybe give them that for, for homework or uh, let them talk about it while they're going out to dinner after the service. Yeah. Some table talk. Awesome. All right, and finally, for self-smart, um, I was reading at uh, Center for Excellence in Preaching, and Doug Bratt wrote this, I sometimes wonder if Peter almost choked on the words, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. <laughs> because Peter had been raised to know that God showed favoritism to God's own people, the experience with Cornelius has shattered that knowledge and opened him to a new understanding. So for an illustration, this might be like discovering your parents are actually people. <laughs> or that your teacher has a life outside the classroom. What? Do you ever run into yeah. a teacher at a store or something? It's like, what's she doing here? Yeah. I only ever see her at school. Mm-hmm. What's she? They let her out. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. Well, I have that experience from the other side sometimes when when kids will see me at the store without my collar right and robe and all that and they or you show up at, at a game or something yeah. or a place like oh you're here why yeah. are you here you're not at church yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for a special effect uh make a sticky note with peter's words god does not show favoritism and then put it in a prominent place where you'll see it for the next week or the next month or so. And every time you look at it, consider anew how God dispenses favor on all of God's creation and see if that doesn't make a difference in how you perceive creation Mm. and yourself. Very nice. Maybe put one on the, uh, on your windshield in your car. Yes. That's the best place. (laughs) Always the best place. Okay, let's go on. The psalm for year A, baptism of the Lord, and maybe every year for baptism of the Lord? I'm not sure. It's Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, etc., 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 Uh, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood, and may the Lord give strength to his people. Uh, So, yeah, obviously, 
carrying over from the Matthew passage or connecting with it there, the mm-hmm. voice of the Lord speaking. Uh, so we're going to look at Math Smart with a special effect, Nature Smart with both, and People Smart with an illustration, and Molly's starting us off. Yeah, I'm actually doing math. Um, and uh, it comes to me from a commentary written by Melissa Dow at a blog called Political Theology. And uh, she pairs this particular psalm, Psalm 29, with uh, Isaiah 40, reading the two of them together. And she says, in political terms, this psalm, especially when read alongside Isaiah 40, highlights the way in which people and rulers are both united and distinct. If a ruler is perfect, his strength will be given to the people. Whatever praise they give back will not be lost, but will return to them and to their benefit. Uh, His good and theirs can be distinguished, but they're not separate. So this made me think of Venn diagrams. So take two circles, one labeled ruler or leader and one labeled the people, and write down attributes of good leadership um, and in, in the leader. What makes a good leader? Uh, things like mercy, grace, compassion, wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, put that in that one and then overlap the people with that because the idea here is that if a good leader has those qualities, they don't stay just in that good leader. They move over, they bleed over into the people and are given to the people. The people then acquire or reflect those qualities and send them back. So it kind of, it's almost more kind of like an amoeba. Maybe this is more of a nature smart kind of thing <laughs> where the qualities well, of the leader goes out to the people, mm-hmm. uh, envelops the people and the people and their qualities of compassion, mercy, grace uh, echo back uh, to, to the leader. And so it becomes kind of this, this organism of mercy and compassion. And, and, uh, she says that while they are distinguished, they, uh, they are not separate. Mm-hmm. So each of them exhibits these, the leader to, to and for the people and the people in gratitude, um, giving it back. Yeah. So that kind of seems to be what the psalmist is going for here, that uh, God is enthroned in all of this power and majesty, and it's it's um, uh, exhibited in creation, and creation echoes it back right. to God. Right. So those qualities, those positive qualities of the leader in the leader one, and maybe the uh, positive, uh, either the needs maybe of the people in, in theirs, or... Oh, um, oh, I see. So the oh, okay, so the positive the qualities meet the needs. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah and then the are. intersection would be how maybe, those how they're met. Yeah. Okay. Or um, praise, mercy, grace, mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Not doing music smart, but this feels like you could do it as a rap. if you're inclined to do such things um and i'm inclined i've just just not that good at it going on to nature smart though 
lots of storm imagery in this passage. So do you know any meteorologists who can explain why some storms will rip your roof off and others gently water your garden? Uh, and God is capable of doing both those things, of, mm -hmm. of watering the earth gently or tear the roof off the sucker. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, the geographical reality of Israel tends to uh, more toward thunderstorms probably than earthquakes or tsunamis. It's a pretty temperate place mm -hmm. on and the whole. Kind of landlocked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's not prone to all of that uh, too much, uh, but storms are a big thing. And uh, so that may be the most powerful natural exhibit exhibition that uh, the author of the psalm had seen. Uh, for special effect, people probably have some experience in their own personal history of the aftermath of a big storm. Um, so uh, maybe invite them to uh, talk about that or to bring that in um, if they have any evidence of it or uh, pictures of it, maybe. Um, high water marks on on buildings, I suppose, mm -hmm. or or landscape Inside buildings, yeah. Um, uprooted trees, blackened areas where a fire went through, for example, things like that. Um, let, let folks either uh, talk about that, uh, bring examples of it, or show some pictures. And for people smart, the illustration, uh, the images in this psalm recall really big destructive storms. And it makes the connection that God has this kind of power. And this is something really to be in awe of. But God's power is also found in the people who come by after everything calms down to help cut up fallen trees, get rubbish picked up, and offer a place to stay if the electricity goes out, for example. Mm -hmm. So God's power is not only in the power of the storm, but in the power of of compassion and graciousness and mercy for the people who come by afterwards. It's kind of like um, what Mr. Rogers always used to say, look for right. the helpers. Right. Yep. That's what came to my mind. <laughs> okay, let's go on. The Old Testament lesson for the baptism of the Lord, year A, is from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. This is where uh, God, uh, through Isaiah, uh, introduces the servant, the one God upholds, the chosen, in whom my soul delights. Uh, put my spirit upon him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. I think this is where um, we connect with and, and continues on to talk about the, uh, the um, attributes and the, the uh, characteristics of the, of the servant, uh, which um, I think is why this connects with baptism of the Lord, because mm -hmm. the spirit of God is upon Jesus and in whom my soul delights, I think is definitely the connection yeah. because that's what the voice says at the end of the baptism. Um, in verses five through nine, it goes on to uh, talk about how uh, the, the servant has been called in righteousness and been given as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. Um, and then finishes up with, I am the Lord, that's my name. <laughs> I just kind of like that. Uh, and uh, uh, see, the former things have come to pass, new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. 
So a lot of lot of images and a lot of things to work with in this passage. We found lots and lots of stuff. So we've got an illustration for WordSmart, special effect for iSmart, um, a real quick th- swing through body and music smart, uh, both illustrations and special effects for nature and people smart. Uh, I'm going to start it off with WordSmart. Uh, I was reading a commentary at Working Preacher by Juliana Klassens, who um, was quoting the work of a couple of other theologians, Louis Stulman and Hyun Chul Paul Kim, who wrote a book, You Are My People. And they describe prophetic literature as, quote, meaning-making literature for communities under siege. And I thought that was an interesting Mm -hmm. comment, and I thought, huh. So that essentially is what uh, Isaiah is doing here for the people uh, in in this particular part of the book, because they are under siege. uh, The Babylonians are coming. Um, And in the context of that particular uh, commentary, she also says that the servant offers a profound example of power in the midst of vulnerability which got me to thinking of literary characters who, through their vulnerability, exhibited great power. And the, the character that sprang to mind was Samwise Gamgee mm. from the uh, Lord of the Rings series. Uh, his utter devotion to Frodo got the one ring delivered back to Mount Doom, and his support made certain that Frodo was able to get to the edge of the lava, if not actually throw the thing away. Gollum gets in there right. and, and helps uh, be, uh, with that. But Gollum was devoted to the ring, which ultimately was the destruction of the both of them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so there's the idea of a a literary character who, a servant who offers a profound example of power in the midst of vulnerability. If it weren't for Samwise, the ring would never have been destroyed. True. For iSmart, we're again going to Working Preacher and Amy Oden. She writes, as Isaiah speaks, it's as though we see the camera lens zooming out slowly out from close-up shot to a wide-angle view, a cosmic view. By reminding Israel of who God is, how God works, and what God is doing by sending a servant, Isaiah expands the frame of reference, relocating and repurposing Israel's particularity within God's cosmic frame. So, for special effect, make or acquire a large empty picture frame. And as you talk about how God refocused the attention through this servant, hold the frame up for people to look through, and then move it so that what it's framing holds more information. And you could go on with that and, and maybe even make a, uh, a backdrop, you know, get a big roll of white butcher paper or what have you, uh, and make a, a simple mural. It doesn't have to be real fancy or anything, just enough to get the ideas across, but uh, bring in the elements of this story. So the stars of heaven, the earth, the living things, the bruised reed, the smoldering wick, the scales of justice, the nations, the blind, and those in dungeons. And, you know, the people can just be stick figures. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something to get a, that idea across. And maybe then right in the center you have the servant mm. um, reaching to both sides mm. of, uh, you know, the, the cosmos and the ones in the dungeon. 
um, or maybe put uh, the uh, the servant on the picture frame. But then oh. as you're talking about all of these things, you know, take the frame and just have it uh, over top of each of these one of different, those one of those elements. So, you know, without the frame, you're just taking in this whole big scene. But with the frame, you're focusing hmm. more on, on each one of those. Interesting. Another way of thinking about that expansiveness and contraction of focus is to uh, get a Hoberman sphere from your local science museum. I did not museum. know that's what they were called. How about that? And uh, so it's one of those those spiky ball toy things. And, real colorful plastic things. Right. Yeah. And they're plastic and they you can get them in different sizes, but they start off real small and then you pull on the, the corners and it just goes whoosh mm. out into a sphere and then mm -hmm. crunches back in. So, uh, um, yeah, get one of those. They're couple bucks. Yeah. Uh, real quick, special effect for uh, Body Smart. Uh, verse 5 invites time for people to breathe. So there's always, it, it's always a very good thing to uh, allow your people to just sit and breathe for a minute or two. Mm -hmm. We don't often think about how important that is since it's an automatic response. You know, uh, consciously breathing sometimes can really refocus our attention. It's and, very self-smart, too. Yes, also it is. Uh, and for very quickly, for a music-smart illustration, Leonard Cohen wrote a song called Anthem, and part of the chorus is, Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. But that is where the light gets in. With the idea there being that the suffering servant is not a perfect being. He is suffering, but it's through that suffering that the light gets into the world. Mm-hmm. For Nature Smart, verse 9 says, Before they spring forth, talking about new things that God is doing. So uh, when driving along in the country roads around here, um, in the late winter, early spring, you can tell when the trees and bushes along the road are, are getting close to budding out because there's just a hint of color that starts it's to so happen. so subtle. Yeah, yeah, it's just a little of green or yeah. a little of yellow, the a sap little is of moving. red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you're just not even sure you're seeing it. It's there. But, yeah, and um, then suddenly, boom, leaves everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So, according to the Old Farmer's Almanac, paying attention to nature's changes like that is called phenology, P-H-E-N-O-L-O-G-Y, uh, a practice that uses the cues of nature to signal planting times and, and other stuff, harvest and, mm -hmm. and whatnot all. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, meteorologically speaking, we're in winter in the northern hemisphere, and won't be seeing those signs of spring for another couple of months probably. But uh, it may not be too early to start sprouting some things, some seeds indoors. Uh, or you might want to break out your old chia pet <laughs> and uh, uh, have a go with that. and um, Or sprout some beans or peas or, or lettuces or, or what have you uh, in a glass jar or, or somewhere warm in your house if you're in the north. Uh, if you're in the south, southern hemisphere, you're probably already uh, you're probably on get, fire. Get, well, <laughs> if you're in Australia, yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. I hope you guys are okay. Yeah, really. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, let some things spring forth. There you go. And finally, for people smart, 
through the example of the suffering servant, we're guided as how to live in difficult times. If we're all suffering servants, we share a common bond which allows us to strengthen one another and strengthen the body. So in suffering uh, with one another and suffering side by side with one another, we find a sense and of solidarity. And for one another, we find a sense of solidarity that strengthens through that vulnerability. Uh, it's kind of an esoteric illustration of people smart and what's going on here, but I think it works. And you can connect the Samwise, uh, the word smart illustration to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For a special effect for people smart, at the end of each of David's uh, Sunday morning services, he encourages people to either join hands or place a hand on the shoulder of somebody, or you know, if you've got a cold link elbows. Uh, but in some way, make physical contact with the people around them when he gives a benediction. Uh, and if you don't do that, consider doing it for uh, this Sunday if you use this passage. This includes some body smart elements in that people feel in their bodies the physical support of the people around them. Uh, the idea is that we are the body, and so as the people of the body, we connect. And if we, when David does this, it's an, it's an attempt to strengthen people in the worship that they have had so that they can go out into the world. That's the way I've mm -hmm. always interpreted it. Is that what you mean it to be? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so much more. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it for today's podcast. Please ask us questions or leave us a comment on our website, morethanhearing.org, or facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or send us a tweet at at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions or maybe got an idea that you like even better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They work together with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or good old RSS, or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store or any of these directories. And of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.